This is Ham College, episode 28, for April 30th, 2017. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. May is full of excitement at ICOM, the new ID4100A, giveaways, and a trip to Japan. And by hamstudy.org, a great way to study for your next license exam. Good evening. Welcome to another exciting episode of Ham College. I'm George. I'm Tommy. Actually, I'm Professor Thomas. I'm Dean Martin. And Dean Martin, that green helmet you're wearing over yeah, there is... Uh, it's got my uh, logo on it. Yeah. It does. I'm surprised that it didn't key out. It's not green. It is green. No, not that. I'm talking about the... Uh, oh, the helmet? Yep. It's a different color green. Yep. Different shade. So... As you can guess, there there could be falling objects during the show tonight. Yeah. So if you hear somebody holler headache, run. Yep. That get under something quick. Well, what did we talk about? Oh, I do want to mention before we go any further is that you know anytime we're doing a show live, we've got a chat room going on over amateurlogic.tv/slash chat. Uh, tell them more about that, Tommy. Stall while I. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can catch us over there. Uh, log in. You can actually get to that link from live.amateurlogic.tv, the one we usually post. That'll get you another link to get into the chat room. Uh, if you also, if you have an IRC client, you can get on freenode.net, and the channel is Amateur Logic. Okay. And we actually got in there right now. We're we're watching people in there. Uh. We can't repeat everything they say, though. Well, it does say the show needs more hats. Well, we got one more. Yep. But we're going to give that one to somebody in a little bit here. Yep, so somebody will be able to participate next month in the hat. Well, last month we talked about safety. It looks like we may be going to talk some more about that. Uh, It could be. There's a good chance we could. We're geared up for it. Well, why don't we get on into the questions? Well, hold on just a minute here. Oh, the earplugs? Yeah, you you may not hear them holler headache if you've got those in. Oh, I better leave them out then. Better leave those off. Well, first question here, Tommy. I think I'm going to ask you this one. Okay. It just seems like it'd be a good question for you. I'm not sure I'm going to wear this hat through the whole show. I, I'm no, I'm not either. But I was going to leave it on to the first questions over since uh, Is it, da- it must it, be a it dangerous could be question. Related, yeah. We don't want any accidents. What is a good precaution to observe before climbing an antenna tower? A. Make sure that you wear a grounded wrist strap. B. Remove all tower grounding connections. C, put on a climbing harness and safety glasses. 
or D, all of these choices are correct. Okay, so A, make sure you wear a grounded wrist strap. You're on. You're going to actually be on the tower, mm -hmm. so I don't think you're really going to be worried about uh, wearing a grounded wrist strap no, in those circumstances. Either. Remove all tower grounding connections. That's that doesn't sound like a good idea either. Put on a climbing harness and safety glasses. I'm thinking that's where my money's going on this one. And D is not going to be it because I already said I don't think A or B are it. So my answer is C, Charlie. So you're saying it's C. I'm saying it's C. It's my final well, answer. That's what they're guessing over in the chat. Right climbing there. harness and, a, and safety glasses. So you've got your safety glasses here. Those aren't really safety glasses. Well, let's see what I've got in my hat here. Uh, are you going to pull a rabbit out? Could. I could pull a pair of safety glasses out. Oh, I just okay. so happen to keep them in there. All okay. right, let's see what we've got. You look like Bono now. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually my stuff I wear at work sometimes for my regular, my regular job. Put on a climbing harness and safety glasses. All right, we nailed that, that one, brother. Okay. And obviously, the order that the questions are going to come up here tonight... Don't match what I've got here on my cheat sheet. So. Oh, so there's no cheating for you. No cheating for me because I thought we were going to be talking about these hard hats we're wearing. Did you? I did. I mean, I swear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should talk about them. We could. It's a nice hat you've got. Yeah. Well, let's move on to the next <laughs> one here. We'll eventually get to the hard hats. Under what circumstances is it safe to climb a tower without a helper or observer? A, when no electrical work is being performed. B, when no mechanical work is being performed. C, when the work being done is not more than 20 feet above the ground. Or D, never. I think that one's easy enough to figure out right there, Tom. I'm going to say... you. It's never safe to climb when you don't have a helper or an observer because you could have an accident or something on the tower and there would be nobody to call for help. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And that's that's what everyone else is saying here. So let's see. Never. Okay. I'm just looking here. Is that a high sound hard hat? Yes, it is. Well, it has a Hylson logo on it, to be honest. Um, Mine's a post-it no. hard hat. Yeah, it's not really a Hylson hard hat. Although, you could wear one while you were operating uh, a Hylson microphone. But they're safe enough that you don't have to wear one. True, usually. Depends on who's operating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's move on to the next one here. When should members of a tower work team wear a hard hat and safety glasses? A, at all times except when climbing the tower. B, at all times except when being belted firmly to the tower. C, at all times when any work is being done on the tower. Or D, only when the tower exceeds 30 feet in height. What do you think? I'm going to say 
it's going to be C, all times when any work is being done on the tower. We, I, I just believe in there, you know, take, being the most safe, taking the most safe route you can. I, I think mm -hmm. that's right. I hope that's right. I think that's right. Let's see. Everyone else is saying it's right, so there you go. Anytime any work's being done on the tower, and that, that makes good sense. Sure. Even the guys that are climbing the tower should wear hard hats as well. Mm -hmm. And one thing, I'm not sure if that comes up in the questions here, but their hard hat also needs to have a uh, strap a on strap, it. Yeah. So, yeah. so it doesn't fall off. I, yeah, actually, or somebody's hard hat's going to be protecting from a hard hat. Yeah. Someone yeah. might on the ground might sense. be wearing one upside down, which yeah. would not be. Yeah, that, that makes good sense. Not very good. What is the purpose of a gin pole? A, to temporarily replace sky wires. B, to be used in place of a safety harness. C, to lift tower sections or antennas. Or D, to provide a temporary ground. Hmm. What is the purpose of a gin pole? So it's nothing to do with drinking. It's not for passing it no. down the bar. Not pass down the bar. I hit the button too quick there, Tommy. Well, I think I'm yeah. gonna guess on this one. That yeah. <laughs> can I can I give you a little clue? <laughs> you already did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not to be used in place of a safety harness or to provide a temporary ground. It's it's used to lift sections of the tower or the antenna, and that's what everyone's good here. There we go. There's a gin pole right there. The guys are standing on a tower. The guy in the red jumpsuit is right on top of the tower. That thing that looks like a tower section mounted off to the right of the tower, that's the gym pole. And at the top up there, there's a pulley on it. And then there's a rope that comes down to the ground. And that's how you lift things up to put them on top of that's the tower. Yeah, I've always understood the concept, but I've never actually seen one mm -hmm. in use. That's a pretty big one there. You, Usually most of the ones we'd use in uh, ham radio are just going to be like a, a single pipe rather than what looks like a tower section there. So how do you actually fasten that to the to the tower? Um, so that bolts secure. on to the legs of the tower. You can't see it in the photo there. And some of them are, are what they call walking gin poles to where, you know, you can get the, the gin pole to move up. Each time you replace a tower section, you can kind of walk it up, you know, one of the outside legs to, or two of them to so get you bolt, to the So you bolt, but you bolt it on. That's a, yeah. that's a pretty labor-intensive thing it if is. you've got much of a tower to put up then. It is, but uh, could you imagine picking up a tower section and setting it on top? No. So we can take off the hard hats now because we've done that. We've already got the extra hairdo going on yeah. here. Which of the following is an important safety rule to remember when using a crank-up tower, A, this type of tower must never be painted. B, this type of tower must never be grounded. C, this type of tower must never be climbed unless it is in the fully retracted position. D, all of these choices are correct. Okay, A, this type of tower must never be painted. I, I don't think that's true. B, this type of tower must never be grounded and I'm sure that's not true because you always want to ground mm -hmm. unless the tower itself is a radiator which is not not too common for amateur stuff 
And then, well, that's going to rule out D again, so that's, the C is going to be the answer. This type of tower must never be climbed unless it is in the fully retracted position. Okay. I, I'm going to agree with you. <clears throat> Everyone, the well, there was a D in the chat room. And you could almost see why somebody might would say it could never be painted. Yeah. But not that it should never be grounded. That's... Uh, you know, it generally would be grounded. Yeah, a crank-up tower. Yeah. There you go, Tommy. So Another would, you ever, would you ever have a, cr a crank-up tower that is the radiator? Look, I don't I, think, I think it would be highly unusual. Yeah, I, w I wouldn't um, think so. Yeah. So. AM broadcast stations, their towers are, are often setting on insulators. We've looked at that before. I don't know if it was here or if it was on Amateur mm -hmm. Logic. Yeah. And the guy wires have insulators in them because the tower itself is the antenna and it radiates. But, mm -hmm. And you can do that with ham radio. Not, you know, it's not real common, but, you know, it does make a nice vertical antenna for, say, 160 meters or, mm -hmm. or possibly for 80 meters. But, uh, it would cool. be a little yeah. bit of And, and the, I guess the reason you don't want to climb it if it's extended is because you're basically going to, be relying on your weight on a piece of cable, right? Well, that and uh, you know, what if, what if it slips, and you've got a hand through there or something? You know, it's going to chop oh, an yeah. arm right oh, off. Oh yeah, this would be highly dangerous. Yeah, it'd be very, very dangerous. So, actually, that field day episode, I think it was the first field day I episode. Remember you remember, I remember the guy that. climbing? I do remember that. And it just so happens that guy was a professional tower climber. Yeah, and he, he knew better. He knew better. But shortcuts. Shortcuts are no excuse. You don't want to yeah. shortcut your own safety or someone yeah. else's. No, you don't. Well, we'll be back in just a moment because we've got to regroup here a little bit, get a couple more things ready to go. But first, let's pay a few bills with the help of our friends from ICOM. Adventures await a new radio giveaways, and a trip to Japan. May is full of excitement at ICOM. You don't want to miss out. A compact and smart design, the ID4100A is the perfect D-Star companion for all the journeys ahead. Its intuitive interface, variety of operating modes, and Bluetooth capability make this the perfect D-Star option for adventure seekers. Integrated GPS receiver, new dot matrix display for enhanced DR mode and GPS information, terminal mode and access point mode, applications for iOS and Android devices, and a micro SD card slot for voice and data storage. Calling all hams! Enter the ICOM America Hamster to Japan sweepstakes today for a chance to win an ICOM radio or even an unforgettable experience to attend the 2017 Tokyo Ham Fair. Make sure you come back and enter each week to be eligible for each radio drawing. You don't want to miss out on this sweepstakes. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Speaking of ICOM, look what just showed up. It's another hat. It's timely. Yeah. Oh, hat number two. Okay. An icon ball cap and an icon ham crew t-shirt. And I still say I got to hit Ray up for my other shirt here. Yeah. Good looking shirt. Did spot you at Hamvention with that? You yep. wear that? People, nobody will miss you. 
Yep. They'll be able to pick you up as a yeah, I guess that didn't sound good. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to miss you. <laughs> no, <laughs> poor, that was a poor choice of words, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> why don't we give those away, Tommy? Why don't we? I think we will. You know, we, we do a drawing with each episode of Ham College. We'll do a drawing for just that exact hat and that exact T-shirt, but they will send you new ones. You notice this one doesn't have a sticky note over the front No, of it, it doesn't. Well, the way that you win is you send us an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv, and we'll do a random drawing. You don't have to be a ham. Uh, you don't have to have a call sign. You don't have to answer a question. All you got to do is send us an email and say... All you got to have is an uh, address to receive it. That's it. They didn't, and uh, the winner didn't even put an address on here, but that doesn't matter because the folks at ICOM will be contacting him to get his address. And our winner for this month is Thomas KN4BZT, and he said, I would like to enter the drawing and to thank you guys for helping me pass the tech and general exams in one sitting. Awesome. Ah, congratulations, Thomas. They'll be getting you out uh, a hat and a T-shirt, along with some other goodies right away from ICOM. And uh, the rest of you, why don't you enter? Just send us an email, hamcollege at amateurlogic.tv. We'll throw your name in the hat. We don't save the entries. We don't do any bulk emailing or anything. And nobody, Nobody's going to get your email address. It's solely no. used just for this um, the shirt and the cap giveaway here. And each time we, we draw it, we delete them all. We don't keep records or anything. Actually, even ICOM only gets the one winner. The one winner. So um, join in. Send yep. us an email. Got nothing to lose. Yep. And you got everything to gain. Mm-hmm. Every hat and shirt we've got here. We do. So cool. Okay, Tommy, I guess it's. Uh, I don't know who's going to ask who this question. I think I asked you the last one. Okay, then I'll do it. Okay. What you got? What is considered to be a proper grounding method for a tower? A, a single four-foot ground rod driven into the ground no more than 12 inches from the base. B, a ferrite core RF choke connected between the tower and ground. C, separate eight-foot long ground rods for each tower leg bonded to the tower and each other. Or D, a connection between the tower base and a cold water pipe. Well, I know the answer, the correct answer here. I I see the one that makes the most sense. Now, you know, a lot of people might think that a cold water pipe would do it because, you know, we've always heard to hook the ground on a radio to a cold water pipe. I mean, if you hadn't got anything else, you can do that, but that's not really sufficient ground. And then you you could be uh, introducing lightning into your house through the plumbing system. Not to mention most of them don't even have metal pipes anymore anyway. True. Um. A, a single four-foot ground rod driven into the ground no more than 12 inches from the base of the tower. Four-foot ground rod's not really long enough. That's pretty shallow. That is pretty shallow. Um, B, a ferrite core RF choke connected between the tower and ground. No, that's just a ferrite bead. uh, It's not going to 
really help you at all. So the one that sounds uh, kind of over the top is actually correct. It's C, separate eight foot long ground rods for each tower leg bonded to the tower and to each other. And that's what everybody's saying over there yeah, in the chat. If you room. think about that, that's a that's a lot of ground. That is. But but you got a you lot of surface lot of there. Yeah. There you go. Here, give me my ceremonial. There you go. There. You got it, man. Okay. You earned that one. Yep. And we just protected ourselves from lightning a little bit in the process. That's always a good day. <laughs> yeah. Not that you can be 100% protected when it comes to lightning, but... No, nah, but you need you to can do your do, due diligence. Yep. Mm-hmm. You, you'd be better off for it. And I need to rush out there after the show tonight and put two more ground rods in out to the... Oops. <laughs> <laughs> out to my little tower out there. Okay, well, let me ask you one, Tommy. Which oh. of the following is true concerning grounding conductors used for lightning protection? A, only non-insulated wire must be used. B, wires must be carefully routed with precise right-angle bends. C, sharp bends must be avoided. D, common grounds must be avoided. Hmm. Which of the following is true concerning grounding conductors used for lightning protection? Only non-insulated. Wires must be carefully routed with precise. Okay. Uh, non-insulated wire is not required. B, wires must be carefully routed with precise right angle bends. You don't want the right angle bends in there. You want no. a direct route. Mm-hmm. Uh, C, sharp bends must be avoided. I think that's going to be the one. D, common grounds must be avoided. No. Uh, C is going to be the answer. Sharp bends must be avoided. You don't really want, you don't really want to write a sharp bend in it. Because, uh, yeah. For Not some, a good idea. Lightning doesn't like to go around that. But let's see if we're right. There uh, you go. Let's, just eked by on that one. Just barely. But you got it. <laughs> Let's just take a look at some materials we might use for grounding here. Uh, a real common one there is that bare copper on the yeah. bottom. Yeah, this is used a lot in your for your house electrical wiring. Yeah, and you'll you'll see it used on towers. But you don't want it like that. Too. No, you don't want to do that to it. Lighting doesn't like to go around those sharp corners as much. Uh, you can also use insulated wire. It doesn't have to be non-insulated. This is some stranded. I can't even read what gauge that is there. That's probably um, it. Lo- it looks like, like uh, eight or ten. six. It looks like ten. That's bigger than ten, I think. Anyway, if you're going to use insulated wire, eight, then generally you'll want to use uh-huh. greens to identify it as being ground. Of course, when you Hold it over here, Tommy. Wait, it's, it's, it's transparent. It's transparent wire. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> that is kind of trippy, isn't it? <laughs> it's actually the same color as that green screen behind us. But yeah. if you're going to use insulated wire, boy, just like 
Almost disappeared there. Which hand is it in? <laughs> okay. Okay. You get carried away with that. Yeah. Uh, another good thing that you can use is this grounding braid here. You know, this stuff is used a lot. I've got all my ham gear over there in the rack has uh, pieces of, of, well, this same size of braid connected to it. Mm -hmm. And then they all connect together and they go to a uh, copper strap. Something similar to this? Something similar to that would work good. This, this is, I was looking at this earlier. That's nice. That is nice. That's from DX Engineering there. Good heavy duty. Copper got the bolt bus. connectors in there mm -hmm. for it. Very yeah. nice. Now, now this braid, I don't recommend this stuff for outdoor use because it just <clears throat> doesn't last that great. But for indoor use and mobile use, this stuff is is really good choice. Uh, probably the best, though, and you'll see this used most at broadcast stations, and this is what I'm using here on my ham shack, is copper strap. You can get it in a variety of sizes and thicknesses. Uh, this stuff right here is, is probably your best choice. It's a little more expensive, and it's not as easy to find. I bought this from uh, Georgia Copper. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's good stuff. So that's... Like I say, it's kind of like a standard in the broadcast industry. We use yeah. this. I see uh, that stuff looks like uh, you might be wise to use a pair of gloves when you're using that stuff, Yeah, too. you could cut yourself pretty easy with this stuff here. Uh, it is, you know, it is good stuff and uh, some of the best. And the reason is because when, when we're talking about electricity uh, and RF signals, uh, well, first... We've got what we call the skin effect. Mm -hmm. And so uh, tell us what the skin effect is, Tommy. Well, it's most most of the current's going to be, I think, around the outside of the, mm -hmm. the wire instead of on the inside. So you've got more surface yeah. for that than you do for this. Right. It's more surface area. And since, you know, we're, we're flowing on the outside mm -hmm. edge, there's more outside edge here. Uh, That's so, what I said. Yeah. Same thing with that copper braid there. It yep. you know it works pretty good for that yeah. too because uh, you know it's a lot lot more outside edge. What size is this braid? Somebody was asking. That is a uh, half inch. Cool. Uh, one half by point oh three oh inches. And I bought this spool here. It had sixty feet on it. This is actually some from work that uh, I happen to have out in the truck. And I just brought it in so we could, could look at it here. Uh, you know, you can use this stuff for work. You know, if that's all you got, use it. Uh, it's certainly better than, than mm -hmm. not having anything. But use a good a good gauge. Yeah, you know, they make, they make gauge. some a lot bigger than this. You can get yeah. it, like the Home Depot or Lowe's or something like that. Mm -hmm. Grounding. We've got more to talk about on grounding. Let's let's take one more. It's such a controversial it it is kind of controversial, you know. I've gotten in trouble t talking about it before on Ham Nation, so we always try to avoid the subject whenever possible. <laughs> but sooner or later, we got to talk well, about it's it. It's time. It's time. Oh, another thing uh, that was misleading here on one of these answers, Tommy. It said you should uh, common grounds must be avoided. That is absolutely incorrect. You want everything that's grounded to be commonly grounded at the same ground potential. Mm -hmm. If not, when lightning strikes, it's going to look and say, hmm, 
this thing looks different than all the rest. I think I'll go that way. Oh, yeah? Yep. Uh, so if if everything is at the same ground potential or is in common, then, you know, the Lightning is, is going to more or less have uh, more areas to dissipate. But if there's one that it thinks that this is, looks better to me than all these others, then it's going to take the full brunt of it and... Um, yeah, you know, not Interesting. not That's, good. Light, lightning is a strange thing; mm-hmm. has a mind of its own. Even though, even though current will flow through this wire, been at a forty-five or ninety degree angle mm-hmm. or whatever, but lightning doesn't seem to yeah. look like it is well, it as well. Kind of adds an impedance to mm-hmm. it, you know. It just does doesn't flow as well. Yep, pretty interesting. Which of the following? Establishes grounding requirements for an amateur radio tower or antenna. A. FCC Part 97 rules. B. Local electrical codes. C. FAA tower lighting regulations. Or D. Underwriters Laboratories recommended practices. Well, this one could trip you up here if you weren't careful on this this particular question yep. here. Um. No, the the FCC does not specify in Part 97 uh, our grounding requirements for a tower or an antenna. Um, Underwriter laboratories may have something to say about grounding, but they don't establish the requirements that we've got to follow. Uh, neither does the FAA tower lighting regulations. They, you know, FAA is the the ones who set the tower lighting rules, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't specify any uh, laws that we have to follow about grounding. However, in most anything to do with uh, electrical circuits, it's your local electrical codes yeah. that take priority over just about everything. It, else. It, w- it would be real easy to get tripped up on that one. It would be. But uh, we didn't uh, really trip up anybody in the chat room there. So they they all said it was B, local electrical codes. I think we're all right on that. Cool. There we go. Way to go, chat room. Way to go. Okay, Tommy, with that, I think it's time I've got to load up another set of questions here. Okay. And what do I need to do, sing the theme song? You can sing the theme song, or we can get a message from another great place to study for your amateur radio exam. I'd say, well, let's do that. And maybe even we'll have a little entertainment mixed in with that. Entertainment's good. Are you new to the ham world or an existing amateur operator who wants to take your license to the next level? Study for your radio license exam at hamstudy.org. Hamstudy.org is a free online learning tool powered by ICOM. It was created by Richard Bateman, KD7BBC, Michael Stuffelbeam, KV9G, and Rich Porter, KK6GKE, and it uses a modern web design to enhance the experience of studying for your technician, general, and amateur extra exams. Since 2013, hamstudy.org has helped new and existing hams to familiarize himself with the question pools, use stats-based flashcards to focus on material they need to learn, and take practice exams to gauge progress. 
Visit hamstudy.org on your desktop computer or mobile device. Register for a free account at hamstudy.org to access personalized study history and other site features. Prepare for an exam in an intuitive and comprehensive manner. Check out hamstudy.org powered by ICOM for free learning tools. Good luck on your next exam. There's a Frisbee disc for different reasons. For individual, team, and disc golf competitions. There's a Frisbee disc for different seasons. For windy flights. And a glowing disc for warm summer nights. There's a Frisbee disc for a new friend and an old friend. And there's a great new thing. A Frisbee brand flying ring. Season or reason. Pick your Frisbee disc or ring and pick up on the fun and freedom. Frisbee brand products. Made only by Whammo. Mr. Titchener, I'm concerned about my Ethel. Instead of a nice young man, all she's interested in is one of your cars. Hard to believe, Mama. 198 cubes, 3.4 inch bore, four main bearings. It ought to be easy on gas. Mr. Titchener, may I give it my own little test now? Give it the works, Ethel. The duster's big enough to take it. I like the torsion bar suspension with the lateral control arms. And the body, reinforced by steel girders welded into a single unit. No wonder it's so popular. And the size, small enough for tight little spaces. Mr. Titchener, what kind of a young man would be attracted to this Plymouth dustpan? The duster, Mama? Why, an engineer would love it. An engineer I got. What I need now is a son-in-law. We've gone bananas for big banana in crayon. You learn to write a lot of ways. <laughs> oh, we've gone bananas for big banana in crayon. The colors are so bright and gay. Oh, you can learn to color, write smooth lines or fat. <laughs> Draw a banana and give it a hat. Okay, bunch, you'll go bananas for big banana in crayon. You'll learn to write a lot of ways. Nine Lives presents Morris. The castle's almost finished, Your Majesty. Good. Reserve the dungeon for yourself. Here's the enchanted tower. This is her second childhood today. Hungry, Morris? Lower the drawbridge. I'm leaving. Don't be finicky. There's nine lives. Bark. The sea winds bring a message. Liver and chicken. Savory stew. Nine Lives savory stew. Mm. Nine Lives. Nutritious foods cats really like. Even Morris. Only fit for a king, Nine Lives. I know my own needs. And what I need from an automobile, I know I get from this new Cordova. I could ask for nothing beyond the quality of Cordova's workmanship, the tastefulness of its appearance. I request nothing beyond the thickly cushioned luxury of seats available even in soft Corinthian leather. Yet it is on the highway where Cordova best answers my demands. I have much more in this small Chrysler than great comfort at a most pleasant price. I have great confidence, for which there can be no price. In Cordova, I have what I need. This Corinthian leather feels really good. Boy, it does, doesn't it? It hits the spot. It's right out of a Cordoba. Yeah. 
Actually, these are, are right out of uh, Office Depot in, in, in Las, Las Vegas, Vegas Nevada. Yeah. I remember when we bought yep. these things. Yep. You can't just find Corinthian leather chairs anywhere. No. We went <laughs> we went thousands of miles to get these chairs. We did. And spent hundreds of dollars to have them shipped back. <laughs> yeah, for, really, 40, for $49 chairs. For $49 chairs. We threw away I don't know how many of these oh, over yeah. the years. Everybody that works at GES in Las Vegas has probably got a set of these chairs at home. Yeah. Tommy and I uh, used to exhibit at the National Association of Broadcasters conventions every year in Vegas. and We bought a lot of chairs to, to go on the booze in it. Well, it's cheaper to buy them out there than to ship them out yep. and then ship them back. So we'd buy them and then or you'd ship them, them one way. Yep. Or rent them, yeah. Yep. So we, we've let, left a lot of money in Vegas. I've actually got two of these at home, too, but they're those blue ones, the mm-hmm. fabric on them. Yep. I've Same still got two. Just, uh-huh. I've still got two of them we use at home sometimes. Yep. They're not Corinthian leather, though. No, they're not. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's more like Nogahide. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably what this is. I don't, I don't know if this is real leather or not. I'm pretty sure it's not for $49. Yeah. All right. Okay, next one here. I'm going to ask you this one. Okay. Which of the following is good practice when installing ground wires on a tower for lightning protection? A, put a loop in the ground connection to prevent water damage to the ground system. B, make sure that all bends in the ground wires are clean, right-angle bends. C, ensure that connections are short and direct. D, all of these choices are correct. And I can tell you now, D, they're not all correct. Put a loop in the ground connection to prevent water damage. That's going to be incorrect. Mm-mm. You don't want a right angle bend you don't want, or a loop. No, you just want, well, let's go on through the rest of it. Make sure that all bends in the ground ground wires are clean, right angle bends. You don't, again, like you said, you don't want any right angle bends. Mm-mm. Ensure that all connections are short and direct. And that's going to be the answer to see, Charlie. Yeah. So yep. you want to get the shortest, straightest path to ground that you can get. You don't want to worry about making loops, bends, routing it around in a real pretty manner, just straight as you can get. Straight as you can get it. Everyone agrees with you. You got that one right, Tommy. <laughs> okay, next one here. And these these are a lot of these are really common sense if you think mm-hmm. about it. Um but they do have some answers that would try to trip you up. Yeah, they, they, they do. What factors affect the RF exposure of people near an amateur station antenna? A, frequency and power level of the RF field. B, distance from the antenna to a person. C, radiation pattern of the antenna. Or D, all of these choices are correct. Well, let's see. What factors affect? The RF exposure of people near an an, uh, amateur station antenna. We've got a few Uh, different answers in the chat. Power level of the RF field. Yeah, you would think that frequency and power would have something to do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, B, distance from the antenna to a person. That's got something to do with it. 
and see the radiation pattern of the antenna. Yeah, if the, all the radiation was going this way, but you were standing over there, it, it wouldn't be this strong. Yeah, if there's a big knoll and you were standing yeah. in it, you may be... Yep. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say all of these choices are correct. What are they? Uh, e. E, yeah. We don't have an E, so uh, most everybody said it was a D, though. And it is. All of those choices are correct. Those are all things to take into consideration when you are evaluating your RF exposure. Yep. Okay, next question here. Why do exposure limits vary with frequency? A, a lower frequency RF fields have more energy than high frequency fields. B, lower frequency RF fields do not penetrate the human body. C, higher frequency RF fields are transient in nature. D, the human body absorbs more RF energy at some frequencies than at others. And this one's mine, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ooh, notice sure? how I, I chose that especially yeah. for you. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Lower frequency fields have more energy than... Uh, I don't think that's going to be re relevant. Lower frequency R fields do not penetrate the human body. That's false. I think they will all penetrate some. It's just going to be a different degree. Mm -hmm. Higher frequency fields are transient in nature. Human body, that's going to be D. The human body absorbs more RF energy at some frequencies than at others. And, you know, that, that makes sense. We know it's not the same in all bands. Um, but that one just kind of leaves it open. It doesn't really specify which particular frequencies, but just that some right. are, will absorb more than into the body than others. And I, I'm going to go with you, Tommy. I think it's D. And that's what most everyone's saying over there in the chat room. So well, I must have done good then. Yep. Maybe work for that one. I was, I, care, I was a little worried about that one mm -hmm. when I first saw it. I thought I was going to put my hat on up, my heart hat back here. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> okay, you got one for me? Uh, sure, I just happen to have one right here. Oh, and this is, I'm glad you got this one. Ooh. Which of the following frequencies has the lowest value for maximum permissible exposure limit? A, 3.5 megahertz. Hmm, B, 50 megahertz. C, 440 megahertz. Or D, 1,296 megahertz. That's very precise. Oh, gee, you know, and I didn't really, um, I didn't really research the answer to this one, Tommy. Well, this should be so, fun. Yeah, this should be fun. I hope we get a buzzer. Which of the following frequencies... I'm Everybody's rooting for the buzzer, I'm sure. Has the lowest value for maximum permissible exposure. Which I'm assuming that means the least... Uh, le uh, you probably need to be farther away or less time mm -hmm. exposed to it. 
3.5 megahertz, which is going to be down around uh, 75, 75 meters. meters. Uh, B, 50 megahertz, which would be 6 meters. C, 440 megahertz, which would be 70 centimeters. Or D, 1,296 megahertz, which is, what is that, 20 centimeters band, I think. I'm not um, sure. And I'm just going to be honest here, Tommy, I, I am wrong on this one. It's never happened before. I just happened to see the right answer here, but it's not what I was going to say. So we, I don't think the buzzer's ever gone off on me before on the show. Oh, yeah? Well, what yeah. was going to be your answer? My answer was going to be D, 1,296 megahertz, 1.2 gigahertz. Because that's up closer because, to the microwave? Well, that's the highest frequency. Yeah, it's closer to the microwave. That's what I was, uh-huh. that was my reasoning there. However, let's see what the real answer is. What is there, What are they saying in the chat room? Uh, they're all saying it's D. Let's find out. So I was in good company there. Oh, no, there was some A's and C's in there, too. And a B. Oh, wow. I got busted on that one. And just to see if we can get a little more information on it, I'm going to pull out Gordo's technician class study material here. The Book of Gordo? The Book of Gordo. And let's just see what he had to say about that, because he said, we call maximum permissible exposure MPE. Every radio frequency has different effects on the body, but the common technician class ham radio 6 meter band at 50 megahertz requires added distance between you and the transmitting antenna. As long as your uh, 6-meter antenna is more than 20 feet away from you at modest power levels, you're going to live to a ripe old age without problems from your radio hobby. Never put any type of ham radio antenna within 5 feet of your smiling face or body. That's kind of hard to do with a handy talkie. That's true. Rubber duck. But, um, yeah, Gordo is saying 6 meters is... That, you know, the one we can stand the least of. That's and really interesting. That is interesting. How did we not know that? If we knew how we didn't know it, we probably didn't know it. They may not have had this question on there when we took the exams. I don't know. I don't recall it. I don't recall it either. But that's, uh, that's very interesting. I'm going to have to look and see why that's the case. Yep. Let me ask you a hard one then. Okay. Hit me what is the maximum power level that an amateur radio station may use at VHF frequencies before an RF exposure evaluation is required? We may get a double buzzer here. A, 1,500 watts PEP transmitter output. B, 1 watt forward power. C, 50 watts PEP at the antenna. D, 50 watts PEP reflected power. Hmm. What is the maximum power level that an amateur radio station may use at VHF frequencies before an RF exposure evaluation is required? 
RF exposure evaluation and VHF. Uh, I would think it's way less than 1,500 watts. And one, one watt's very low. Just so happens that most uh, VHF rigs are about 50 watt out anyway. Mm-hmm. If you got 50 watts of reflected power, you pretty well got a dead short. So the answer's got to be C, 50 watts peak envelope power at the antenna. Charlie, okay. that's gonna that's my reasoning. However twisted it is, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, they're guessing different things over here in Are the they? chat room. Yep. We got some A's and we got some C's and we got a D. I can't get you to change your mind. I'm not going to change it. I may be wrong, but I think that's right. Just yeah, from reason. You were right. Oh, wow. I was I was hoping to get you in the buzzer club with me. Well, I've been in the buzzer club a couple of times. <laughs> well, apparently not not in this one we're having tonight. Not, not, well, so are we far. finished? No, I don't think but we are. But, I mean, that's, that's just reasoning it out. That, that seems to make sense, right? Reasoning apparently it did, it must have yep. worked because I, di- I did not know the answer to the question when we got it. Well, I knew D was definitely wrong. <clears throat> uh huh. D, you got a bad, pretty bad problem. Yeah, if you got 50 watts of reflected power, mm-hmm. but f- 50 watts PEP makes sense. One watt is so low that that's not going to be mm-hmm. a big concern to you on VHF because our handy talkies are five watts. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1,500 watts PEP, yeah, you know that's that's going to be high enough that you need to consider um, exposure you know, exposures. Limits. So 50 watts, yeah, it makes, makes good sense there. It's kind of in the middle. Why don't you tell them about uh, what we're doing special at Dayton this year? Yeah, we're um, this year, if you wear your amateur logic swag, uh, we are going to give away some of our private stash. You want to show them what your private stash is? Yeah, show them what the private stash is. <clears throat> a PO gold, a gold PL two fifty nine for everybody wearing the Amateur Logic swag and while supplies last. This actually works for Ham College also. It doesn't have to be just uh, Amateur Logic. So either either show will do. And um, anyway, you can get yours here. We've got hats, t shirts, sweatshirts, jackets. Uh, several things there, and uh, I actually have a list of things like uh, VE, Ham College VE shirts that are uh, going to get on there sometime here in the near future. Some other suggested uh, things I have on a list. Well, we got two questions left. Two whole questions. Two whole questions, and I think this is one of them right here. What type of conductor is best to use for RF grounding? A, round stranded wire. B, round copper clad steel wire. B, twisted pair cable. Or D, flat strap. This sounds kind of familiar. Yeah, we did discuss this when we were showing these uh, grounded Mm -hmm. cables and so forth earlier. So, who? What do you think? Well, since since how we actually talked about this earlier, the answer is going to actually be the flat. Uh, strap. Flat and, strap and the reason for that is because what we discussed with the skin mm-hmm. effect and most of the current flowing on the outside yep. of the wire not down the center of it like you would this right think. here or this right here the braid 
Yeah. Got a lot more surface area than something like this. Quite a bit. Yep. So. So should be easy enough to remember on that one. Yeah, just now, remember the skin effect. Yeah, you've seen flat strap now, so it should, should be easy enough to remember. Okay, the one final question, Tommy. And you can ask me this one, and hopefully I won't get another buzzer. <laughs> well, it's a long one, too. Which of these precautions should be taken when installing devices for lightning protection in a coaxial cable feed line? A, include a parallel bypass switch for each protector so it can be switched out when the circuit of the circuit when running high power. B, include a series switch in the ground line for each protector to prevent RF overload from inadvertently damaging the protector. C, keep the ground wires from each protector separate and connected to station ground. Or D, ground all of the protectors to a common plate, which is in turn connected to an external ground. Well, I think we have kind of talked about this a little bit tonight, too, but let's just, let me just go over this one again to be sure. Which of these precautions should be taken when installing devices for lightning protection in a coaxial cable feed line? Well, first, uh, what kind of device would you use for protection in a coaxial uh, feed line? Something like this right here. It's the, uh, this is a MFJ, what is the number on this one? 270. This is a gas suppressor type surge suppressor. There's a, a gas discharge tube in here. Uh, you hook your rig on one end with the PL259, the antenna on the other end. And there's a place to hook a ground right here too. Oh. And when the, the lightning flashes across there, you know, there's a gas, um, little gas tube in there. Uh, normally it won't discharge with, with normal RF energy, but if something higher comes along a spike, that um, it'll break down that gas and the, the arc gap that's in the gas there will short out and uh, short it to ground there. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. I had no idea they had that. I, yeah. I'm not surprised because they they have everything there, but there there's a lot of different cool. types of these, but this is well, pretty know, effective, pretty, pretty common one here. I think so. Yeah, I think think they're fairly effective. Cool. Uh, so that's what we're talking about. Something like this. There's other things too, but uh, this is pretty typical. Uh, that's let's see. Hey, include a parallel bypass switch for each protector. No, you wouldn't want to put a bypass switch on a protector or it's not going to protect anything. Uh, B, include a series switch in the ground line for each protector. No, you don't put a switch in your surge protectors. Uh, C, keep the ground wires from each protector separate and connected to station ground. Um, no, that's not really the answer, too. You know, we talked about that earlier. You've got a special little device over there just for that. See this uh, ground, ground bus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, like I said, this is a nice one too, man. Ground all the protectors to a common plate, which is in turn connected to an external ground. And that's exactly what that's designed to do. That's right your there. common plate. Mm -hmm. Got holes drilled in it. Yeah. 
these little bolts with the uh, way to hook up your ground wires. Ground wires or... Or, or these uh, terminals mm -hmm. or crimp on or solder on type terminals. So I'm going to say nice. it's D. Okay. Would you agree? I would. Okay, well, let's see. There we go. Ground all the protectors to a common plate, which is in turn connected to an external ground, just like that plate from DX Engineering. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, Tommy, we got through all the questions tonight with only uh, one error. My first ever buzz on the show here. It was inevitable to happen sooner or later. Well, it don't, was. Don't take it feel personal. Well, I I think I can still pass the exam, though. <laughs> you probably can. Because I, I don't think, think there's but nine questions left. Since you uh, mentioned passing the exam and mm -hmm. nine questions left, what are we going to do next month? Well, next month. Um, I guess we're going to cover those nine questions, and maybe we ought to talk about things to do to prepare for your exam. That sounds like a pretty good thing to talk about. I think so. Uh, so that's the plan for next month. Okay, before we go, Tommy, what do we want to mention? Uh, we'll mention again, get your swag at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and wear it to Dayton Hamvention. And be sure and look us up and get your gold PL two fifty nine while yep. supplies last. If if we see you, you we gotta we gotta so got to gotta see you, or with, you gotta uh, say hello to us. And, yeah, we need to remember to take a picture of us yep. with everybody that we do uh, that does that. So. And you said you would remember it, so to take the picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't remember saying that. Uh, see, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, yep. The other thing, our social networks, and you talked about them a moment ago. Yeah. We, uh, we've got the Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups slash amateurlogic.tv. We also have a ham college group on Facebook. And uh, we've also got amateur logic and ham college groups on Google Plus. And yep. we're on Twitter. What are the Twitter accounts? And you can follow us at ham college or at Amateur Logic. Yep. So you probably want to do that, uh, especially during while Dayton's on. Keep an eye on those because if if bandwidth works out, I'm going to post some some interesting uh, okay pictures and videos. I hope if everything works out. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to that. Also, don't forget about the show notes that our friend Dan in 9 LVS does for us. AmateurLogic.tv slash wiki. There you'll find the show notes. For each episode of Amateur Logic as well as Ham College. Yep. Yeah, especially thanks to him for taking care of that. Yep. So I guess with that, we might as well say uh, good night, Tommy. And good night, Tommy. Good night, George. Good night, everybody. 7-3, everybody. Have a good week. What should members of a tower work crew, see we're getting there now, wear 
Let me see How about that when? Again. Yeah. When should members of a tower work group? Did I say group, work group? Yeah. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Make sure that all bands in the ground wires are clean, right angle. Oh, are clean, right angle bends. Let me read that again. Make sure that all band, all bends. Why don't you read that again? Why don't I read that again? What is considered to be a proper grounding method for a tower? A, a single four-foot ground rod. Well, this is deja vu, man. We already did this one.